Hello, and welcome back to Cape Corner, where we explore the history, story, and cultural impact of a different character or group every episode. I'm Blue, and I'll be your host as we take this journey together. With the recent Mortal Kombat movie, and the similarly recent teaser trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which looks really cool, by the way, excited for it, I felt this was a good time to slide on into the DMs of the martial arts area of the superhero community. I went back and forth on who to talk about for this episode for a while. Uh, I put up a poll on Twitter, and then I realized that I had no clue how to actually go back and view the results of that poll, or if there was uh, even anyone who voted. Uh, I had my first video game characters under consideration, because I was looking at the Mortal Kombat characters. Um, but a suggestion from my roommate helped clear up my indecision when she pointed out that one character would make me rant angrily and that that would be good content. I couldn't really argue against that. I do have a tendency to go on angry rants. So, today, we'll be talking about the sworn enemy of the hand, the protector of Kunlun, the living weapon. Today, we will be talking about Iron Fist. The 1970s in America saw a major boom in martial arts interests. Multiple overseas movies were translated and dubbed, including films by Bruce Lee, who boomed into American homes as a, uh, a household name. Uh, seeing feats of incredible skill and body control with daring use of the environment to augment their fighting capabilities made these martial artists quickly become iconic to the American viewership. Uh, it got to the point where uh, martial arts schools started popping up like wildfire in America and kids were super eager to go learn martial arts. And of course that led to a response trend <laughs> of martial arts movies in America uh, having to deliver the message you should not want to learn martial arts to beat up other people you should learn them for self-defense but honestly yeah that only made it seem cooler so people still wanted to go learn um, I m myself included I always wanted to learn martial arts when I was a kid I still do um, regardless, the pop culture trend was undeniable, and Marvel wanted to capitalize off of the spike of interest. So, along with Shang-Chi, who had already been made at, at the time, uh, Iron Fist was conceived. Writer Roy Thomas wrote that Iron Fist's origin and creation owed much to the Bill Everett character John Aman, the Amazing Man. That is one of the most on-the-nose, <laughs> stupid names I've heard for a character. And again, I know Matter Eater Lad. Like, John Aman. Like, it could be Aman. Like, it's A-M-A-N. But A-Man, Amazing Man, ha 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 ha. Whatever. Uh... Uh, Roy Thomas. He also said that he and artist Gil Kane uh, co-created Iron Fist because they saw 
or at least Roy saw, his first kung fu movie, and it had a ceremony of the Iron Fist in it, and they liked the name. So, the character debuted in Marvel premiere number 15 to 25, uh, numbers 15 to 25, from May 1974 to October 1975. Uh, I don't know if he appeared in individual issues and they're just talking about a collection that uh, brought the issues together, or if, uh, or if he only appeared in, uh, I don't know, multiple issues that were, like, combined together. Uh, I'm getting some of my information from Wikipedia, so please bear with me. Uh, I do apologize. Believe it or not, I do not have an endless repository of useless comic book knowledge, uh, so I do have to do research for these episodes. But regardless, um, the character's debut would successfully establish a considerable readership among Marvel fans. Enough that they did create his own solo series, Iron Fist, which ran for 15 issues before the character was in danger of cancellation. Uh, I suppose there was some drop-off uh, to his popularity over time. Uh, to avoid this outcome, they wound up pairing him with another character who was similarly no longer popular enough to sustain his own series, Luke Cage, the Power Man. The series Power Man was renamed Power Man and Iron Fist, and the two partnered up from then on. To this day, they are considered partners, uh, best friends. Love it. You love to see it. Uh, in the final issue of the series, Power Man and Iron Fist number 125 from September 1986, Iron Fist was killed. Writer Jim Owsley, subsequently known as Christopher Priest, commented that Fist's death was senseless and shocking and completely unforeseen. It took the readers' heads clean off, and to this day, people are mad about it. Forgetting, it seems, that A, you were supposed to be mad, that death is senseless, and Fist's death was supposed to be senseless, or that B, this is a comic book. And you know what? To that second point, he was right. As they say, Nobody stays dead in comics except Bucky Barnes, Uncle Ben, and Jason Todd. Except, you know, that saying may not have aged super well. The point is, the character would be revived. In Namor, the Submariner, number 21 to 25, from December 1991 to April 1992, again... I don't know why they're specifying these, like, collective anthologies. Just bear with me. Um, apparently, the character who was killed was just a doppelganger. You know, how lucky <laughs> that apparently the singular mission that would lead to a death, some random copycat just decided to go with Luke while Danny, I don't know, ate ice cream at home while watching Animal Planet. The... From what I understand, like, it seems that they gave a good enough excuse. Uh, the way they worded it, they even made it seem like it was planned that way all along. And I understand that this is their job, and they are pretty good at their job, especially by the 80s and 90s. Like, they've had multiple decades to turn 
resurrecting a character due to retcon bullshit into like an art form. I get that. But it's just... I don't know. That one seems especially heinous to me. Uh, again, I haven't gone too deep into detail about what the excuse is. I just, I sit back, I say it's just one of those things you've got to sigh and say, alright, when it comes to comics. But regardless, Iron Fist is back, baby, and the character would go on with Luke to form the Heroes for Hire, a mercenary team who offers their abilities for whatever low-level issues fly under the radar of groups like the Avengers, in exchange for a nominal fee to pay the bills. Basically, do you have a problem that requires superhero expertise, but the Avengers don't give a damn? Call the heroes for hire, is basically the idea. He would team up once or twice with Wolverine, who has an Asian flair from time to time with his stints in Japan. Just two white guys in Asia, appropriating culture and acting like they're samurai, wielding spandex and superpowers, as you do. I, the, look, the conversation about the white savior thing uh, has come up multiple times, especially when it comes to Iron Fist. Rich white guy becomes the greatest martial artist in Asia. It's like, mm, I, I get it. I, it's, it's clearly one of those things that was American made. Um, but, you know, it, it reflected the audience, right? Like, there was a bunch of us who were just little white kids who wished we could be cool, uh, like, kung fu masters. And it is a little bit, like, you know, cultural appropriation. I, I recognize it. I understand for actual Asians, and especially Asian Americans, it can be very insulting. But I also take it as... This is an aspect of your culture that is so appealing and endearing that members of other cultures want to take part in it. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily right, but to an extent, I feel it should be looked at as complimentative uh, or complimentary. Because um, in the end, I think to some extent, that's the goal, right? You want to have people be eager to partake in other cultures, not necessarily for pretending that they did it first or that they did it better, but just because aspects of your culture are interesting and, you know, fascinating. And I, I think that, you know, that that sort of desire can be well-intentioned. Um, it can also go wrong, obviously. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. But it's better than pure ignorance, I think. It's better than, you know, people throwing slurs around and acting like they want nothing to do with anything Asian-oriented because, you know, America better. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a whole big topic to get into. But... Regardless, uh, the way that they tend to be portrayed, especially in modern days where it's a much more sensitive topic, especially with Wolverine, I see, is that he recognizes that 
he is not a part of the culture uh, from birth, and that he doesn't necessarily do it better. He just sort of got adopted into the culture, and he has his own code of honor and ethics that align well enough that, you know, the people in Japan accept him as one of their own, like an honorary member. Um, you know, so it's, it's mostly kosher. In terms of fictional biography, uh, Iron Fist's father, Wendell Rand, once happened upon the mystical city of Kunlun, which is a sort of, like, extra-dimensional magical city, and it only appears on Earth once every 15 years. And then it just vanishes. You can't reach it. During his time there, Wendell saved the life of Lord Tuan, the city's ruler, and he wound up being adopted by Tuan. Excuse me. Eventually, Wendell left and became a wealthy entrepreneur in the USA. Later taking an expedition to rediscover Kunlun, Wendell this time brings along his wife Heather, his business partner Harold Meacham, and his nine-year-old son, Daniel Thomas Rand. Uh, the expedition is like in the Himalayas or something, I think is where uh, Kunlun appears when it does pop up on Earth. So, you know, snowy mountains, very dangerous, very harrowing. Bring a nine-year-old, dude. <laughs> Just bring him along. Don't even worry about it. Uh, of course, during the expedition, things go wrong. Uh, Wendell falls to his death. Uh, he could have been saved by Harold, but Harold had a thing for his wife and offered to save uh, his, his wife and son, but not Wendell himself. So Wendell falls to his death. Uh, Heather gets away from Harold, uh, and she is devoured by wolves. Archers from Kunlun show up, and they manage to rescue Danny. Uh, and Harold himself manages to escape the situation, but he's not unscarred either. Uh, see, the heavy snow of the mountainous area caused his legs to become frostbitten, so by the time he got home and got medical care, he needed his legs amputated. Danny is taken in by the people of Kunlun, and he is apprenticed to Lei Kung, the Thunderer, who teaches him martial arts. Danny toughens his fists by plunging them into buckets of sand, gravel, and rock. By the time he's 19, Danny fights and defeats Shaolo, no, Sholao the Undying, who is a dragon who guards the molten heart that had been torn from his body. Of course, beating up a dragon normally, no matter how good you are at punching and kicking, it doesn't exactly work. But Danny deduced that the heart was sort of like, almost like Wi-Fi, wirelessly, providing life energy, like transmitting it across the cave to the dragon through a dragon-shaped scar on his chest. So what Danny did is he just jumped up and clung onto the scar, covering it with his body as the dragon thrashed about like the world's most insane bull ride. Eventually, blocking the life energy flow worked, and Shao, God damn it, Shou Lao, sorry, his name uh, is, I don't know, for some reason it's difficult for me to read. The dragon died, uh, but the heat 
from this feat, you know, clinging onto a dragon, uh, burned a dragon-shaped brand into Danny's chest, like a mirror of the scar that Sholau had. After successfully killing one of God's creatures, <laughs> uh, Danny plunges his fists into the dragon's molten heart, and instead of them agonizingly melting off, they emerge with the power of the Iron Fist. Danny would then discover he was the latest in an ancient lineage of Iron Fists, and he was eager to prove his worth. He was similarly eager to kill the man who killed his dad. You know, indirectly, but still counts. Uh, he set out after returning to Earth ten years after his disappearance to find Harold Meacham, and after surviving multiple assassination attempts from the new head of Meacham Industries, Danny successfully confronts his father's killer. Choosing in the end not to kill Harold out of pity, Danny leaves, only for Meacham to immediately be murdered anyway by a mysterious ninja. Danny would go on to have many superheroic ventures. Uh, adventures as one of the greatest martial artists in the world. Danny's main enemy through much of his adventuring is the ancient ninja order known as the Hand. It's the Hand versus the Fist. Get it? The Hand has members who are skilled in swordplay, stealth, magic, hand-to-hand -hand combat, healing, etc. They also have the capability to revive the dead, similarly to Ra's al Ghul and his League of Shadows from Batman. The Hand would tie some of the characters together, as they are also enemies of Daredevil and sometimes Elektra, though she's a member as often as she is an enemy. Um, famously, uh, probably Elektra's most famous story in the comics is that she got killed by... Uh, bullseye, an enemy of Daredevil and herself, and then she got resurrected by the hand. So again, they bring the dead back to life. Um, see, these guys are sometimes little more than cannon fodder when they're in large numbers, but their most elite members can tango with some of the hardest street-level heroes and even defeat them. And especially when they can continue coming back even after death, it's safe to say they make people feel just a bit more paranoid walking through dark alleys. Because you never know when the hand can be inches away from gripping you. Now, you might be wondering, what's the power of the Iron Fist anyway? To which I say, shut up, I'm getting to it. Don't rush me. Basically, there's this concept, largely in several Asian cultures, of a life energy that extends beyond the physical body, and exists alongside and interacts with it. Uh, some call it chakra, but it's often called chi. And the idea is that rigorous training and meditation can help you tap into these deep reserves of energy to empower your martial arts. It's often used philosophically, but for Danny Rand, it's very literal. See, while martial artists in Marvel can use their chi to amplify their attacks a bit, Danny's fists, from being inside a molten dragon heart, have become supercharged as major chi conduits and amplifiers. Basically, when he focuses his chi into them, they become so empowered that they 
visibly glow, creating an aura of light and energy around them. They deal absolutely insane striking damage and become impervious to pain or injury while they're in this state. Imagine how, like, Mario becomes when he gets a Starman, like, his body is not only invincible to damage, but he just immediately is taking out enemies just by touching them. Imagine that, but only in the fists. And similar to the Starman, the power-up is temporary. Danny can deflect bullets or send cars flying, but he can only do this a couple of times a day, and pushing himself can really tire him out. It's basically a move of last resort, and a big part of his challenge is to learn when to use it at the most opportune moment. Obviously, you can't rely on a power like this alone, so Danny also has mastery of all of Kunlun's martial arts, as well as various styles from Earth, including, and God, I know I'm going to mispronounce some of these, Shaolin Kung Fu, Aikido, Fujian White Crane, Judo, Karate, Muay Thai, Ninjutsu, Wushu, and Wing Chun. He can also use his chi in ways aside from the fist, focusing it inward to heal himself. He can focus it into others to heal them. He can also give himself psychic senses or telepathically fuse his consciousness with another person. But while all these other abilities are very helpful um, and they get him through the day, that punch, that is his main weapon. It is no joke. I mean, it's devastating. It performs some truly impressive feats. He's, he's been able to knock out the unbreakable Luke Cage, who, may I remind you, is not only bulletproof, he's missile-proof. <laughs> um, he knocked out a drunken Hercules, and yes, Hercules is a Marvel character. They have multiple pantheons of gods, most people only know Thor, but guess what? The Greek gods are there, too. Uh, he's taken down Black Panther, who wears a vibranium suit, and if you don't know about vibranium, you know how Captain America's shield is unbreakable? So is uh, Black Panther's suit. Um, he's also taken down the shield helicarrier in a single punch. And uh, let me repeat that. He has taken down an entire flying military base by punching it. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, now, you guys may be curious about why any of this would make me go on an insane rambling of frustrated rage, like what was uh, uh, expressed earlier. To answer your question, it wouldn't. See, up until now, I've spoken about the comics Iron Fist. I don't have a problem with Iron Fist in the comics. No, the one I'm mad at is Netflix Iron Fist. You see, the MCU has been expanding uh, since the early to mid-2010s to include television and streaming services uh, beyond the movies, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, etc. But one of the most well-known was the Netflix series. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage had all proven very successful. So when it came time for an Iron Fist series, I was stoked. Seriously, I adored Luke Cage, and I enjoyed Daredevil, and don't get it twisted, I recognize Jessica Jones is technically good, it's just too upsetting for me to enjoy. But I was pumped. And then, I watched Iron Fist. Oh boy. Look, I'm gonna be completely candid with you guys. This iteration of Danny Rand was one of the whiniest, lamest motherfuckers I've ever seen. 
And stupid, too. Like, even the Defenders series, which is the one that brought all the Netflix heroes together, they mocked Danny, openly. Called him a thundering dumbass. And they were entirely right to do so. He consistently flip-flops on his motivations, he makes bad choices, he doesn't do the obvious moves to get out of tough situations, and he whines and complains that he's the Iron Fist, so he should be the best by default. Like, forget that other people have worked harder or have done better moves. It's like, I'm the Iron Fist, so I should be winning. It's like, Okay, man, you beat a dragon. Congrats, but, like, that doesn't mean that you just have carte blanche to completely fuck up situations and still come out on top from now on. Like, he spends, like, two of the first three episodes stuck in a loony bin because he can't figure out that he should just calm the hell down and show these people that he's sane. No, he keeps angrily flying off the handle, causing property damage, and screaming about his magic dragon hands. Of course, they're going to keep sedating him. And don't get me wrong, I don't blame Finn Jones, who portrays him. I know better than to blame an actor for how a character is written. That series was all over the goddamn place anyway. Like, apparently instead of giving Finn months of training before shooting, as you typically do, they would give him minutes right before the shoot, to learn a sequence. Of course that's not going to work well. Martial arts scenes are incredibly elaborate and require a lot of choreography. It's just a fucking mess. One of the coolest sequences in the show is, uh, if I recall correctly, I believe it's the penultimate episode, featuring a sword fight in the rain. And the reason it works so well is because it focuses largely on Colleen, a vastly more likable character than Danny. But then the final episode follows that majestic-ass scene up with... <sighs> Danny fights a CEO who has a pistol on a roof. The immortal Iron Fist is challenged by a 50-year-old guy in a suit who went to Walmart and got a gun. That's the big finale. It's one of the biggest slaps in the face, especially because, like, Okay, so I don't have the same boner for Netflix's Daredevil as a lot of people do. Like, it's good, but I'm not personally going nuts over it like some people do. But they tried to do this thing from the comics, right? Like, in the comics, there was a time where Matt Murdock was in danger of people knowing that he was Daredevil. So to throw them off, Danny actually became Daredevil for a while so that people could see Murdock and Daredevil at the same time for an alibi. Uh... Like, well, I can't be Daredevil. I was in court, and people saw me in court while Daredevil was on TV doing this thing. Like, that was the plan, right? And it worked out pretty well. But at the end of the Defenders uh, series, when Matt is seemingly dying, he asks fucking Danny to protect the city in his place. And it ends with a shot of Danny posing on a rooftop. And it's like, Luke is right there. Jessica, sure, maybe not her. She's an alcoholic and kind of a terrible person. Like, she's a hot mess of trauma. You know, like, I, I'm i not blaming her, but, like, I get why you wouldn't pick her. But, like, Luke is a paragon of justice. He does 
everything right. He is an icon, a revolutionary, the imagery of a bulletproof black man in the midst of a decade full of some of the worst police shootings of black people is so inspiring. He created a movement. Bulletproof love, people wearing bullet uh, hole hoodies. Like, it was, it was genuinely beautiful. Even for me sitting in the real world, knowing that what I'm looking at is fictional, like, it was bringing tears to my eyes. He took down crime lords. He's Harlem's hero. Why would you look between him and Danny and go, hey, I know you kind of fucked things up and made this situation leading to my supposed death in the first place. But yeah, Danny, I think you're ready for me to place some massive expectations on. Sorry, Luke, you're just too level-headed and kind. I want someone who is more likely to fly off the handle and, I don't know, kill a civilian or something. What the fuck, Matt? Listen to me. Listen to Blue. You can trust me. If you want a decent iteration of Iron Fist, don't watch the Netflix one. And no... Iron Fist stands if you're out there. I don't care about what happened in Season 2. Don't at me. He doesn't appear in a lot of stuff, but he does show up in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, I think it's uh, to, to Steal an Ant-Man. I think that's the episode where he first appears. Um, that's a fantastic show, and he shows up alongside Luke. Um, he appears in there multiple times. Uh, he's also one of the main characters in Ultimate Spider-Man, the cartoon. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of that cartoon. It's vastly inferior to Spectacular Spider-Man, which came before it. But Greg Sipes uh, voices Iron Fist in that. Uh, I love Greg Sipes. He follows me on Twitter. Love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, he does a good job portraying the character. And Danny in that show, um, while bordering on, like, is he a stoner or something at times... Uh, He's, he's genuinely a very likable character, a very needed breath of fresh air, given that most of the other members of that team are hot-headed teenagers who, you know, got complexes. Um, so, th that's a good version. Um, if you want a game recommendation, uh, this one might seem completely out of left field, uh, but he appears as a partner in Spider-Man Friend or Foe, which is a PlayStation 2 game which I never hear people talk about enough. It was genuinely really good, especially as a couch co-op game. Um, couch co-op games need to come back. I'm just putting that out there. It was really good. At least, at the very least, you should look up like the team attacks from that game on YouTube. They're really clever and fun to watch. It's really fun seeing Spidey do all these different maneuvers uh, to combine his abilities with those of other characters. Um, and, well, I guess that'll just about do it for today. I'll try and stay sane next time. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh... But I'm thinking next week I'll transition from talking about the enemy of the hand and instead talk about the enemy of the foot. Look forward to that. I might try transitioning to related topics like that for a few episodes, since I already know who I'd talk to, uh, who I would talk about after the next one. Uh, then I'll probably look for another suggestion in my Discord server. If you want to request an episode, join the server. I'm active in there, and I encourage discussion. You could also donate to my Podbean patron page. Even a dollar a month would be appreciated. Uh, if you could give my episode a like and maybe a follow or a subscribe or a comment, that would help a lot too. Always looking to boost the series' popularity. Until next time, stay strong, stay true to yourself, and remember, 
we can all be heroes.